Welcome to the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast. Hello. This is the podcast where four psychotherapists, three of us Canadian, one of us American, serve you cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a psychotherapist from Coquitlam. Uh, I'm Joanna Boyd, clinical counselor from Port Moody. And I'm Chris Boyd, a clinical psychotherapist from Port Coquitlam. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> He's a liar. Port Coquitlam. It's combined each things that you guys said. Yeah, right? yeah you did. Good. But it happened to be its own city for those <laughs> who don't know. Clinical therapist, clinical psychotherapist isn't a thing. No, it's not. Port Coquitlam is a place which is very close to us, but that is, you have no business there. No, it doesn't exist. Zero business. No. No, 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 no. Well, for those in the know, that is a false answer by Chris. That's okay. Uh, therapist, psychotherapist, counselor, psychologist. We've got all these different names. I think we've gone through this before. Yeah. But, uh, basically, we're all we're all doing things to try to help people. We're all talking to people to try to help, right? It's true. Yeah. Sorry, one of, that, one of the dogs is like making a bed in, in her little travel carrier thingy, which she loves. We call it the blue house. And uh, it was just really rumbly. And and, uh, yeah. That is a-okay. Dogs, make yourself comfortable. Listeners, make yourself comfortable. Yeah. We so are- banter item with like um labels in bc we have obviously colleges but they're restructuring the colleges so um maybe in the next two or three years they're taking i forget how many it is 16 colleges and making six instead so they're amalgamating so just just to for the americans when you're saying colleges i think for here there would be a licensing board yes yeah got it licensing boards um yeah, regulatory colleges, I guess, would be a yeah. more accurate description. Uh, so there's one for, you know, chiropractors, massage therapists, social workers, psychologists, all the rest of them. So they're going to take 16 different ones and compress them into six. And uh-huh. when that happens, registered clinical counselors are going to be absorbed in. So we will then have a college and, we, and then we will have a regulated title. We don't know what that's going to be yet but I think it's leaning towards psychotherapist. Heard clinical psychotherapist. You should submit that as an yeah. option. Yeah. They want it Psychotherapist, hey? Because uh, the other provinces who have regulatory colleges or licensing boards for clinical counselors, like what we are, are psychologists or psychotherapists is their protected term. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So in the next two or three years, should we do a reboot of the podcast? The intros might be a bit more clear. Yeah, no kidding. Wow, interesting. So will so will everything fall under that same college then? Like all of the different counseling counselors? So there's really only two. Um, so like currently a registered psychologist. Uh-huh be in there and registered clinical counselors would be in there, but we would be called psychotherapists. Um, And then we would be clumped with 
um, I call them like the allied health professionals. So um, actually we would be in this, I think Cairo's are in there. Yeah, Cairo, massage, physio. Yeah. yeah. How about how about the CCCs, the Canadian Clinical Counselor, whatever that is? I don't know Maybe. if they're going to be absorbed into that or not. I guess this is BC focused. I think it's a national it's, association. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So it would just be BC. I guess that would be a good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then to be part of that regulatory body now. Um, you have to meet certain requirements. So it would be anyone that is already, I don't, I think some are art therapists, some are marriage and family, but they all get clumped together. So. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. On another note, what did everybody do for New Year's? Well, New Year's here, it was, there were kind of two New Year's in a way because there was actual the end of uh, 2022 and the beginning of 23 on Sunday uh, where I was just hanging out with the kids and we uh, watched some, watched the ball drop in Washington, in uh, New York uh, at nine, nine our time, midnight their time. Tried to get the boys to go to bed a little earlier, but uh, that didn't work. They stayed mm-hmm. up a little later. I had some, some party favors and, uh, some of those horns and uh, the little hats that say Happy New Year and the little popping things that uh, throw confetti out, you know, we had some fun with that. It was a good time. But uh, there's a rule down here. So I'm in Pasadena. The big deal down here is the Rose Parade mm. and the Rose Bowl football game. It usually lands on New Year's Day. But since it landed on a Sunday, there's an old rule that says you can't have the Rose Parade on a Sunday. Uh, because of churchgoers, and uh, and it, it goes all the way back to the time when um, when people rode rode horses to uh, to to church, rode horses around town. They said, "Well, the parade is going to scare the horses, so we want uh, to postpone the parade until the day after." So the parade and the Rose Bowl game were on Monday, the second, instead of on the first. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It is an interesting little little tidbit. Yeah, you would think that they might reconsider that. You think, but uh, there's it's it's steeped in tradition. There's a lot of tradition going along with uh, with the Rose Parade, so I think that one's not going to be touched. You know, in the realm of psychology, this would be like a behavior that was very functional and serving a purpose as a young child that is no longer serving a purpose as an adult and is actually interruptive. Sometimes we have to reevaluate those. That's a really good point. That is correct. Yes, it served a function and no longer. Well, I'll bring that up to the Rose, the Tournament of Roses people and see what they have to say. I just, uh, I, I can envision this, this committee that organizes the Rose Parade with their top hats and monocles and they're all in their 90s. That's basically it. Yeah, I think that's that's most of them. They're uh, the keepers of tradition. That's true. So that's what we did. What did you guys do for for New Year's? Chris we, and Brooke. Yeah, we went to um, Joey. Surprisingly, or the restaurant for dinner um, with uh, just two friends, and then 
came back here and watched Wednesday until it hit 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel that uh, the more time and energy and money you invest in New Year's, the more disappointing it can be. Yeah. So I, I like a good house party or what we did was was perfect. Yeah. Go for have a nice meal um, in bed by 12.05. It was a real nice night. Yeah, I agree. Because it was, yeah, it was a real treat to go out, right? Um, so that was in good company and good energy, but then everybody's tapped out early, which is also lovely. Yeah. How about you, Joe? What were you doing? Uh, we, our family, for those listeners who don't know, have a cabin on a lake for a house about a four hour drive. So went up there with some of my siblings and their kids and nice. houses. Um, and then, uh, so it was, yeah, winter frozen. People are ice fishing. There was snowmobiling, played some games inside. There are fireworks at midnight. We kind of watched back a recording of the New York countdown. And then, yeah, Jeff and who's our brother and then brother-in-law Graham and the boys, they have a tradition where they, <laughs> they take off their shirts and run outside in their bare feet in the snow for those. So that's painting a picture there. Um, and they just all like scream and run outside in the snow after midnight. And so that's a lot of fun for lots of laughs and stuff like that. So. It's a, it's a tradition up here in Canada. No, it was for, for literally those people who usually go up there at New Year's, which is like our siblings and their their families. That's it. I don't think anyone else on the lake does that. Anyone else in Canada probably doesn't. <laughs> but for them, they find joy in it. And my nephews. So yeah, that's Anyways. great. But it was yeah, it was nice to get away and just take it easy. So, yeah. Uh, Back in my my wilder days as a as a as a childless single man, uh, I used to throw New Year's Eve parties um, at my house, and uh, one of my traditions that I had was at at midnight or right right before midnight, um, it'd have champagne glasses, uh, you know, shared out. I would usually go to some place to get a bunch of cheaper champagne glasses, but real glass, and then. At midnight, each person would have to make a toast to the to the group, take a sip of their champagne, and throw it in the fireplace. <laughs> and okay. uh, it was a mess, of course, the next day to clean out all the shards of glass. But boy, it was a nice time. <laughs> wow! Yeah, like fun. Way to go out. <laughs> Goodbye, year smash. Yes. Very cathartic, I bet. It was very cathartic. It was nice. It very was... theatrical. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. We had a good time. Well, good. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all of you and to all the listeners all around the world, even in North Dakota. If we haven't oh, listened there yet. <laughs> I don't know. We, no. we didn't check. No, no listeners didn't... in North Dakota. I don't think so, but we'll see. Shoot. Maybe it's a New Year's miracle. I don't know. Um, when you post this video to YouTube, Ryan, can you put a hashtag North Dakota <laughs> in I the will. caption or in the title? Like, just yes, I do, will. Like, episode, blah, blah, blah. Put the title and do hashtag North Dakota. I'd, yeah, or somewhere. Just, yeah, somewhere we can get some someone who's browsing around to go, hmm, maybe I should listen to that. That'd be good. Mm-hmm.
I like it. <laughs> well, all right. We're here to do cutting edge mental health knowledge. So I believe that Chris is up tonight with the Damn. ambush. He knows the topic the rest of us don't. So send it on down, Chris. So we mentioned before that uh, after 100 episodes, we're going to take a step back and take a break from the podcast. Maybe revamp it, maybe be back. But this is my, maybe last, we don't know. my last topic. It's kind of... Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, yours was... Wait, I already had mine too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew. I think I, I knew that. Yeah. That's exciting, Chris. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if we've done this one before because we've done so many of these things. But if we haven't, if we have done it, then we'll uh, do one on memory. Have a All right. Back. Ready, everybody? Motivation. Is it necessary for change? What can I do to increase motivation? What are each of you motivated to focus on in 2023? Have we done this? I guess it's kind of been touched on in other things, but not directly the center topic, mm -hmm. like yep. procrastination and avoidance. And yeah, I'm sure it's come up before in our conversations, but I don't think we did one. Is Joanna scrolling to see? Maybe. Not that it matters. We're, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. It'll be... Yep. Yeah, we did do it. It wasn't so spectacular that we remember it. So we should do it again. <laughs> and motivation is a very timely one because a lot of people like to do resolutions and some goal setting this time of year. Yeah. And so I know we talked about goal setting last year and likely the year before that. So um, yeah, motivation. This is a this cool. is a, a frequent topic. Even if we've done it before, it's a frequent topic in psychotherapy. People are often wondering how do I how do I get motivated? How do I how do I find the motivation to whatever that might their goal might be? They might, they might want something, but they don't feel like they can literally motivate, move themselves towards that goal, and uh, are looking for something to inspire that or uh the discipline or the willpower whatever it might what it might entail for sure yeah so do we need to define this or is everyone pretty clear on what motivation do you think everyone knows what motivation is well, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the exact definition is but like you said to move towards like the um i would say it's like the energy or will to move towards your desired behavior, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Brooke, uh, scientists define motivation as your general willingness to do something. Hey! It is a set of psychological forces that compel you to take action. There we go. Well, well what do you know? You're basically on point. Well, that's neat. Yeah. Okay. Look at that. Okay. Motivation. Uh, are we motivated to talk about this right now? <laughs> I'm motivated to talk about this. <laughs> yes. Mine is. There's a lot of there's just a lot of components to this, right? Um okay. You you ask, is it necessary for change? Which is uh a, a good opening question, I suppose. Well, thank you. If uh <laughs> go ahead, Joe. What do you got? No, I would say 
Well, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd throw a curveball in there, but what what would you say? Is it necessary for change? Because I have one thought that came to mind as part of it. But um, I well, think when – sorry, you go first. You go. I was just going to say, I mean, it, it that's that also kind of de- depends on what we're talking about change, you know? Like, let, let's say I, I wanted to uh, – uh, I was, I was tired of my job and it was time for me to find a new job. And then suddenly I got fired. Well, that change just happened, but I didn't actually do anything to, uh, to cause that change. Right. Like things can happen to us to create change. You know, someone can, a spouse can ask for a divorce or a, you know, a loved one could die or what something could happen, or you could have a health scare that, that causes you to something has to change. So sometimes these, these change agents are external. But uh, I think if you want to change something psychologically, internally for yourself, then, yeah, I do think motivation is an important part. But go ahead, Joe. Um, I have to realize motivations can come from so many different places too, right? Internal, external. But um, I just, I think when we talk to clients, I hear a lot or we hear a lot. Um, I'm not, motiv- I wasn't motivated to do it or I'm waiting to be motivated to go here or do this um and I think well at least what I've learned over time is I I tell them I'm like unfortunately you might if you're waiting for it it's probably not going to come you have to actually take action you have to actually do first and then that kind of plants the seed for the motivation to grow from so it's a different it's all some people think motivation first action next whereas there's another way to look at it as action first motivation then grows from that to kind of keep that going so a different way so is it necessary for change um yeah i don't know i think you can maybe make changes and then the motivation can come from that once you see how good it feels or um Mm. or maybe there's i don't know i feel like this is a little bit more intricate than first glance that's a great great point and that's something that yeah definitely talked about that with clients before and, and just friends and family like if you're if you're sitting on the couch and you're waiting for the motivation to go work out, uh, that motivation may never come. Sometimes you have to go and you know get on your shoes and start walking, and then then you'll start to feel like okay, now I'm in the mood or now I'm now I'm rolling right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's a research to back that as well. Mm-hmm. That motivation often comes from action. One of the top motiv- uh, motivational speakers on the planet, Mel Robbins, said that motivation is garbage. Is uh, obviously a strong phrase, but she was saying that so many people work around for motivation. So they have these ideas and goals for themselves, but they don't, um, it doesn't lead to activity because they don't have the motivation to do it. So she often uh, focuses more on, you know, just establishing routines or trying to focus on uh, action, you know? And she was saying that we're often, and again, um, a lot of her work is based on a lot of research within psychology is that we often are avoidant of hardship, right? So often we're reluctant to change because that may lead to some discomfort before we achieve what we want to achieve, right? So for a lot of folks out there, motivation will just never come, right? That being said, though, um, I think motivation can help. I think for some people, there's lots of different factors. Joanna mentioned internal, external, intrinsic, extrinsic motivation that can be there. Um, I think of youth or kids, parents try to do what they can to motivate them. Mm-hmm. A 
um, you know, the, the James Clear work, I think we'll get into some of that, but he uh, has some great strategies to help increase motivation. And I think he's, they've had some success. Certainly. Okay, Brooke, do you have any thoughts on this? You've always got no. thoughts on stuff. Come on. Well, I think you guys, like, I don't know, stated it well. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have anything new to add to this part of the conversation. Okay. Someone uh, defined um, motivation as, at some point, the pain of not doing it becomes greater than the pain of doing it. So I think uh, sometimes based on circumstance, um, there's a bit of a shift that happens. And sometimes the motivation can stem from that. It can lead to some growth. But I don't think it's absolutely necessary for making positive changes with your mental health or physical health. Sure. Sure. So let's talk about what... Okay, we're talking about it, the necessity of a motivation in order to do something. And we hear various ideas here, take action first, and then you'll feel motivation or motivation is garbage, that sort of thing. But um, what what does motivate? You're you just mentioned here, Chris, uh, you know, the, the fear, the fear of inaction or the fear of inaction is greater than the fear of action. What other what things motivate us in general, do you think? I think in our in our society, um, you know, it could be money, it could be status, it could be sure. um, stability, stuff like that. Connection. Connection is a huge one. Social relational beings. Sure. I think um, emotions. People are motivated by a variety of emotions, right? Like um, fear is actually motivating, anger is motivating, but I think so is excitement or love can be motivating as well. There's just, there's energy to emotion. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty true. Yeah. I wrote uh, I wrote something a, a while back. I have this, uh, this group of guys we meet every summer to, to run this relay and uh, we're oftentimes complaining about the running and <laughs> while we're there, even though we do it every year and we love it, but we're still like, oh man, why do we run in the first place? Why do we even do this? So we had a good talk about this and got me thinking. So I wrote up a little piece on psychology today about why do we run and kind of boiled it down to, to three kind of categories. One of them being uh, what I called like being chased by the dog. That's going to motivate you to run, right? That's uh, that's the fear motivator. Like yeah. the fear motivator could be things like, like specifically for running, like I, uh, I don't want to get ill or I want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, have a premature death or whatever that might be. Or in the case of our little running group there, I don't want to let the team down. I don't want to be the weakest link, whatever that might be. So there's a fear motivator. I think for a lot of people, there's an achievement motivator, right? Like the, the brass ring is what I call that. Like, I want this, I want to win, I want to succeed, I want to achieve, I want the money, I want the status, whatever that might be. So for some people, the, the main motivator is an achievement motivator. And then the third one I just borrowed from uh, the guy whose name I can never pronounce, uh, the flow guy, 
right? Martin Sligman or no? Oh, Chick Chulahaili. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, where Sligman got his work from. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is that some people sometimes with with running, for example, it's just running for the 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 state of running, just for the sake of running, the uh, the flow state. I just like being there. I like being uh, in that place, whether that's a creative place or an exercise place or whatever sort of uh, thing you like to do. I like to be in the middle of that. So I think to, to break it down into, into some categories broadly, I think a lot of them fall into one of those three areas. Um, yeah. I think those are great categories. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I'm sure we've all like been motivated in each of those categories. We've all been a desire to achieve or scared of something or just like where it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. You have to read that article. Share it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that's if you think about a lot of the things that we do, like why, why think of the things you already do. It's probably one of those three that are motivating you to do it. You know, why do I go to work? Is that an achievement thing? I'm afraid if I don't work, I won't have money to pay the bills, whatever that might be. Do I just like it in general? I'll, I'd do it even if without the rewards, uh, that'd be a flow thing. So there's probably a lot of overlap there too. Yeah, no, that's great. I like that a lot. Yeah. So what, what gets in the way? What, what are the blockages to motivation then? You know, if, if there is something that someone wants to do, if you really, if your resolution this year was, I want to get in good shape, but it's hard to get off the couch. What is what is blocking us? I think I mentioned earlier. Just um, it's you know it can take a lot of work. It's sometimes we're avoidant of that that pain and discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. And it's um, we have habits and patterns that we kind of fall back to. We have a, kind of a default mode and setting, so it takes a little while to develop new patterns so until you do it's 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 difficult right mm -hmm. fear of failure yeah fear of failure yeah um i think perfectionism gets in the way people yeah. with perfectionistic tendencies because it's interesting when you see procrastination or things like that um or this striving you want to if you're going to do it you need to do it perfectly um and that seems to be a motivation, but then it does get in the way of itself because that sometimes hinders someone from actually doing the thing. So, oh, great one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fear of success as well, not just failure, but fear of success. Uh, that comes up sometimes in my clients. What does that mean? Some people don't, don't understand how someone could have a fear of success. Yeah. So, it, hold people back. I'm sure it comes up in different ways. The most common one that I've heard it in the context would be, Actually, when there's um, there's like a family underpinning to it where there has been uh, like parents, typically it's the parents, where they have been speaking negatively about other people, like maybe they have envy or jealousy towards other people who have been successful in whatever way and have, and then the child has grown up with like negative comments towards others that are successful and then they fear succeeding for 
if they are going to be accepted or loved or like they've grown up thinking success is bad, even though they want to succeed. Um, yeah. So in that, in that regard, um, or also the fear of what comes with it. So the responsibility and can I handle that? And that can be a part of it. Or um, if your definition of success puts you in the spotlight, then the fear of the spotlight and what that might mean. It's a lot of fear of unknown, but it's the elements of if I succeed, what are some downsides of that and fearing those things? There we go. Sure. Yeah, I see a lot of the uh, like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Like if if you've been in a in a place where you're saying, gosh, why am I not successful? And I oh, I just need my shot. You know that place pretty well. You can, there's actually some comfort to to being in that place of not having that success. Having that success is an unknown. There's a, they're they're not there could be variables there you're not even sure how to how to manage, you know. You're so familiar with the not having success that you um, don't know what the other's going to look like. So, yeah, I think that's that's a real thing for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it gets in the way. Or um, if we're doing prolonged motivation, it is New Year's, and there are New Year's resolutions or goals or whatever. Um, and if motivation wanes, so if you fall off the wagon of whatever change that you're trying to make, that can be a huge deterrent in motivation to get back on. Yeah. Right? It could be a hiccup or yeah. Yeah. Kind of goes to the, per the perfectionist thing a, a little too, right? Like, oh, well, I, I was going to go to the gym every day and it didn't go today. So I might as well throw it away. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe the desire to people want like gratification sooner or they it's hard because or they want to see changes sooner or they want to see their efforts kind of pay off sooner. So that could be hard for motivation because if we're going the route of the whole gym thing, then that takes time. Um if it takes changes in relationships or you know, shifting there that takes time and effort or everything might not go. Yeah. So, um, I think the expectations people might have of something they're originally motivated to do that could shift quite quick if, uh, those expectations are not realistic. True. Sounds good. Okay. Well, there, there are some barriers then, um, uh, the comfort piece, Fear of failure, fear of success, change, fear of change. Just, oh, this is status quo has been nice. Mm -hmm. The little road bump, roadblocks and speed bumps that come along the way, for sure. And there could be very uh, practical, like tangible, not practical, tangible barriers to motivation as well. Like if there's, you know, going on the fitness thing, if there's a goal of fitness, but there's a financial barrier, um, or if yeah. there's a physical barrier, like a, um, maybe an injury or something like that. Um, if there's been life circumstance that then makes that goal harder in some way. So maybe the loss of a loved one or a loss of a job position, or that's your motivation to, I don't know, whatever it's going to be 
grow all of your vegetables this year, your focus isn't going to be on that. I tried to think of something that's not in the gym. You know, try to, <laughs> your focus isn't going to be on that because it's going to be triage to, to the immediate stress, right? For sure. So those are going to be very tangible barriers too. And, and depression. Depression. It does affect your motivational state. And anxiety. Yeah. But depression's a big, big one. Absolutely. Yes, the obstacles. I, I want a brief side note here. I think I told you guys last time we were talking about pruning day before, right? Yes. And my my pruning day goal this year was my garage. I wanted to take care of a bunch of stuff in my garage, get kind of get rid of some stuff. But I really wanted to just kind of move everything out of the garage, sort through it, put it back in, right? Um, or, you know, sort through the things I was going to donate or throw away, whatever that might be. So I I got motivated that that pruning day, I was ready to go. And I got my kids involved and we hauled a bunch of stuff outside of the garage and we were getting ready to sort some things. And, and I looked up and it, I noticed, oh my gosh, is it going to rain <laughs> right now? <laughs> I had to check the weather report. I looked on my phone and it says, you know, it's going to start raining in about 15 minutes. <laughs> ah, <gosh. laughs> Everything had to go back in the garage. I didn't want to get all soaked in the rain. And so that was that was it for that day. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so as, even, though, even though I was motivated and I actually was taking action, the the weather had a different plan. <laughs> so I wasn't able to complete my task. Yeah. So up here in rainy Vancouver, we're like, wait a minute, is it be sunny for today? Is the rain gonna stop? Yeah. This is great. And for you, Ryan, some of your motivation probably came from the fact that you know how good that feels and you've done it each year. Yes. Right. Right. Um, yes. And even hearing you do that, I think that motivated Chris to do some pruning last I did. week. I did lots of pruning. And I'm hoping to do a bit of pruning tomorrow afternoon um, or morning. Um, anyways, yeah. So there you go. Love it. Maybe maybe motivation can be contagious. Maybe that's a piece of the uh, the solution here too, right? I mean, I think, I think it is right. Because people often say like, um, oh, I watched this thing or there was this person I found, I found it motivating. Mm -hmm. Something was motivating for them, whatever it might be. Yes. Well, yes, now we'll get to this, this part of the talk, which is what, what do we do if we're looking for motivation, but we can't seem to find it. We already covered the idea of Maybe you just have to take action first and then you'll start to feel motivated. Maybe you don't wait necessarily or, or seek it from outside sources, but, but maybe there's some other ideas on this too. So yeah. other people, uh, inspiration might be something to, uh, to consider as well, right? Absolutely. So personally, inspirational sport movies, love them. So if I need a little extra boost, I like watching those. Even though some of them are quite sad, like Million Dollar Baby, but like, oh, what a like. There's stories of perseverance, you know. Rudy, and, Rudy. Oh, Rudy's a good one. Yeah, this any given Sunday, movie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, those are great. Those are all great. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like Hollywood are just uh, there's, there's a lot of motivation out there. I guess eh? yeah, through movies and through songs. Yeah, through story. Stories, yeah. right? You have to find what type of narrative 
inspires you. Um, not everyone is motivated by perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. And I mentioned uh, Mel Robbins. She's a motivational speaker. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we talked to someone who is the reason why they're so successful is because they, they fire people up, right? They help them uh, come up with goals and follow through with it. So sure. Tony Robbins was at the uh, symposium there That's years right. ago. Yeah. He's like the guru. He is the, the, the guy, the, probably the top motivational speaker on the planet, right? Yeah. Any relation between the two, by the way? I don't think so, actually. No. Mel and Tony? No. I don't think so either. Just, just so happens that people with the last name Robbins are very motivated. Like Christopher, for example. Yeah. And Christopher Robbins, yeah. Or, or Tim Robbins getting out of Shawshank Redemption. You know? Yeah. Perseverance. Um, perseverance. But Ryan, we weren't at the symposium that year with uh, Tony Robbins. And uh, I think I intentionally did not go because Tony Robbins. I was actually there. really wanted to go and, and experience it. But didn't he use like a lot of like energy and music and like um, getting the delivery, bodies moving? Yeah, bodies and... moving. His delivery was, and obviously his messaging is on point, right? Yeah. Yes. His messaging is on point. I was, so yes, we're talking about the, uh, the psychotherapy networker symposium that happens every March, um, uh, in Washington, DC. And that's where we met. And, uh, where a lot of people, thousands of therapists descend upon DC every March to go and see some of the big names in the field and some, some of its research and some of its kind of popular, um, uh, psychology people, <laughs> Uh, but one year they decided to have Tony Robbins come and I'm not sure exactly how that happened, but uh, Tony Robbins came and yeah, it was a, it was an event. It was quite, quite an event. For one thing, they, th he wanted to make sure that the uh, temperature was turned down in the room to like 60 degrees. So it was kind of chilly wow. in there actually. And for most of the time, uh, uh, very different than other other talks that are given people were on their feet uh, like most of the most of his talk he just had people standing up and it was very interactive you know go to the talk say something to the person next to you say something to the person behind you uh and yes he was he his his messaging is uh, is well rehearsed and uh and on point uh, but also some of it unscripted i mean he went he would walk through the audience and talk to people and say um you know Tell me what brings you here today, or what's what's the thing you're that's lacking in your life? And he would talk to them about it, have a little conversation. And I think you know he has a lot of experience doing that, so he has his his answers and his responses to that. But it was uh, it was definitely a, a curveball from from what I've experienced at anything else at the at the psychotherapy networker uh, conference. I wouldn't say that it, I felt I didn't feel like I was a changed person after afterwards felt like I knew him a little bit better and kind of understood what he what he does, which is very experiential, I guess you could say that. Um, he, he gave everyone kind of a moment. Um, he went over like 45 minutes in his talk. Um, it was a it was a big, powerful time, I guess, but uh, I, I don't think I left a changed person as a result. Yeah. So for me, when I hear that, as you're talking about the, the space being motivating, yeah. I'm hearing a lot of engagement, body movement, and then stimulation, right? Whether that's 
you didn't quite talk about that, but if there is uh, music or lights, oh, yeah. um, vibration as well, right? Like, so if there's music, it's not just the sound, but the vibration that comes through your body as it moves through the room, like there's actually like sound waves do do something to our nervous system. So, um, and I think we can take those little nuggets into everyday life, right? How do I get motivated? Maybe uh, if you're unmotivated to do a certain task, you start by doing something else, but it involves moving your body a little bit, something that seems a little bit less daunting or put on some music that you really enjoy, right? Like just kind of taking those elements of filling your system sure. mm -hmm. yeah. shared experience is another one I got from that yes that's a big like something like that and it's not it's like other people around you and you can yeah so shared ex just I think that makes some situations in bigger groups powerful yeah um, yeah. yeah yeah and I think awesome. I think cool. just just with the Tony Robbins thing I think like the temperature and the standing the whole time and all that. I think some of that was like, we're all a little off. We're not in our comfort zone, you know? Mm. Everything's a little bit uncomfortable. Um, Adrenaline's pumping probably a little Adrenaline's bit. Adrenaline's pumping. You're kind of like, what's going to happen next? You know, he brings a mystique to to his, you know, this is such a well-known person and, and all that. And plus his own presence even. He's a very physical person and large very tall guy and a deep voice and speaks with a lot of authority. And I think there's just a lot to the whole show that kind of uh, is meant to pull, pull you a bit. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, it just reminded me, Joanna, after your comment about shared experience there, um, that often I feel motivated, very motivated, leaving the symposium. Not Tony Robbins himself, but like. Renee just, Brown, right? yeah and well that's what i was like oh that's interesting maybe it's shared experience maybe it's learning something new fostering curiosity but yeah fostering curiosity yeah. having like yeah I, I don't know but often leaving motivated to try something new or be a better but well you want to be a better therapist every day but it's exactly like <laughs> More potent, yeah. You feel like you and you're you're around like-minded people, like-minded people. Like kind of this, we are passionate about this, and we're jazzed about it. And then I think you don't need to be around like-minded people to have motivation and get anything out of something. But I think it definitely adds to it. Like when the four of us would get five, four, I can count, um, get together at the symposium and go for lunches. We'd maybe chat about things, or Ryan would ask super cool questions about you know, ourselves or deeper questions. And I think that's motivating or that's kind of gives you a bit of pep, I think. There you go. Yes. And and, I, and you're talking also about like, yeah, like the tools. I think sometimes you know, a lot of people are going to the gym right now because they got a cool watch for Christmas or they, uh, they got some, some new shoes or something, just something that makes you feel like I'm, I'm a little better equipped than I was before. So I'm ready to go. Or I got a, a new uh, hoe for gardening, right, Brooke? Like, <laughs> no, just to not overuse the gym analogy, right? I uh, got you. <laughs> yes, yes. Great. Um, 
I think just back to, you kind of touched on this, Ryan, and we talked about it a little earlier, but just habits, establishing small habits that can turn into, obviously, the action leads to motivation that can lead to bigger, better habits, right? But starting small is, is often good. So I think James Clear talked about that a bit. Uh, establishing a routine, external motivation helps, accountability partners, but um, tacking on new habits onto existing habits, um, he said, can be very helpful. And then before you know it, so you don't necessarily have to have motivation, you're just being strategic and say, I'm going to start doing this each day and making sure that it's um, achievable, it doesn't take too much energy and, and time. And then from there, you can build off that, right? Yes. You're talking about James Clear, the author of the book Atomic Habits. And, and a lot of that is, is about just what you talked about. But another, another big part of his book, too, is he talks about systems, talks about how important it is for us to have routines and kind of systems in place that make, make it easier to, to keep a habit going. So something like, okay, every morning I wake up at the same time, I wake up at 6 a.m. and I brush my teeth and then I do 20 jumping jacks and then I eat my oatmeal and then I do a gratitude journal or whatever the thing is. If you just start to get a, a routine in, involved, then it makes it so much easier to keep those habits going instead of it being, you know, Twice a month, I'm going to do something um, that's much harder to do than actually just doing something every day. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And then maybe the motivations on most days a little higher because it would be a little easier. You're more familiar with it. I think when something's more familiar, yep. it make it easier. Mm-hmm. Can sometimes, right? It can. Yeah. Yes. Um, just another little tip, tidbit here for, for folks regarding motivation. Um, some people are a big fan of what they call the five minute rule, which is, uh, I'm going to, if there's something that you need to do, maybe you just do it for five minutes. Um, and you might find that that is actually activating enough to get you to, to complete the whole task, whatever it might be. Yeah. But like, you know, we're, we're coming into tax season here, down here. Like sometimes I have to play that trick on myself. Okay, I'm not going to do all my taxes, but I'm just going to do, I'm just going to sort things out for five minutes. And oftentimes that five minutes stretches into a half hour and I've actually got a big chunk of it done. So, um, and the same things for, for workouts or doing the dishes or the whatever it might be. And, and. I also think that that helps people with the, with the perfectionism thing. Like if you think about, I have to clean the house, that's a, that's a big undertaking. That could be a a very long project. If you say, I'm just going to clean for five minutes, maybe all you're doing is cleaning this corner of one room and that's enough for now. And you can uh, tackle the rest of it later. Doing something is always better than doing nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. For sure. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay, so we've got the interpersonal components to it. We've got the uh, habits, trying to form those habits and keep those habits in place. I've uh, got a couple little brain tricks. We have the Robbins. Tony Robbins, sure. Sure. What do you guys think about 
you know, there, there's a whole um, in uh, there's there's a, a branch of psychology called motivational interviewing, right? Where there this is a whole field of psychology where it, it kind of stemmed from a lot of the uh, uh, addiction treatments. Uh, Mm. Uh, it's kind of a, a different approach to addiction treatment. And one of the things that, that people in motivational interviewing will do is they'll say, okay, what's your motivation to stop smoking on a scale of one to 10? And I'll say, well, my motivation is a seven. And then the next question is, well, okay, it's a seven. Why is it not a zero? Well, because I want to live longer and I want to live a long life. And, uh, you know, I, it's bad for my health and bad example for my kids or whatever. Okay, great. Why is it not a 10? Well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not really feeling it. Uh, whatever those, those things might be. Sometimes people thinking through the consequences of what happens if I don't do this um, can spark up fear for people. It can spark up some, uh, some other motivation for them. Do you, think, do you think giving people fear... <laughs> There were drug campaigns down here where they would just show kids like a bunch of pictures of car crashes from drunk drivers and stuff and say, don't drink and drive, don't do drugs. Um, is that enough of a motivator? Or what are your thoughts on that? That's a loaded question. I think in that example, uh, no. Okay. It's not because it's too external. In, in the first part of your example, it was internal. And I think that's where it matters. Like you can, uh, I think raising awareness and education about the dangers of your choices are important, but to harbor fear or try to harbor fear through those. And I mean, we have those too, like um, maybe it's, um, I've seen quite a few about speeding and like um, I'm someone's parent or I'm someone's mm -hmm. son or whatever for construction workers right? To say, I want to go home to my family too, or like, just so you're not speeding through construction zones or on cigarette packages, showing like the healthy lung and unhealthy lung. Like, so there still is that because they're trying to get you to think, but I think it's um, going to be more impactful if those consequences are ones that you have thought about or aware of and are meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. Opposed to, yeah, fear that's imprinted on, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. It kind of does, yeah. I, I think fear is everywhere. And I think a lot of people use fear as a tool yeah. to motivate folks to do all sorts of things. Yeah. Because um, what was but, that program where they brought the young people into the jails to like mm -hmm. scared straight or something? Is that what it's called? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And that was the whole premise. Like they were going to take these at-risk youth and then bring them in to the prisons and like have the prisoners kind of yeah. spook them, even though the prisoners were like in leadership positions and then they would talk to them and debrief after. And it was just to, to get the kids to have these changes. Um, but I don't think they actually had long lasting, meaningful changes. And I think they ended up being more traumatized from the experience. Yeah. That's my understanding. Right. Like, so it really backfired. Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious about um, like the cigarette packages. I'm not sure how successful that was either. Because yeah. you're dealing, dealing with addiction there yeah. or the, uh, the denial. Oh, that won't happen to me. Sure. It's too extreme, perhaps. Yeah. But but the other ones you talked about um, or seemed like it hit more of a personal note. So exactly. I'm curious if there's a shift there in terms of the research. But of course, don't know what that is right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're, uh, that's also the same model of motivational interviewing as stages of change, right? That's yep. Prochaska and Di Clemente. Oh. Wanted to get that in before Chris said it. Hmm. I know names of people too. <laughs> Good for you, Brooke. You did it. Woo! Yeah. Should we talk through those stages of change real quick, just, just for fun? Sure. I think we talked about it before. Yeah. Uh, Pre-contemplative stage one. So that's when you don't think there is a problem. Then we have contemplative. So you're starting to ponder. Maybe this is an issue. Yeah. Um, starting to weigh your options more like what you were talking about, the motivational interviewing stuff, maybe yep. uh, weighing the pros and cons perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then preparation. So you're actually starting to collect information. If I were to change how might I do this? What might that look like? What might I need? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, preparation, then action, where you actually make, like, move towards it, booking the appointment, going for the run, whatever it might be. Throwing away the cigarettes. Um, having that hard conversation, or you take action. Uh, and then it goes into maintenance, where after you've taken action enough times, then you're maintaining that new behavior. And then you have lapse, which is a short-term like fallback into old behavior. So like an oopsies, and then you get back on track very quickly. And then a relapse, which is full regression into the previous behavior. And then these stages, uh, while we talk about them in a linear way, they're non-linear. So somebody might jump from, no, this isn't a problem, pre-contemplative, to preparation, where then they're looking for, for in addictions, like looking for treatment centers, Googling them, and then go back the next morning to say, no, I don't, I don't think it's actually that bad. I don't actually need to do this. Later that day, they might say, oh, maybe this is a problem. So now they're in contemplative, and now they might start to preparation, like some searching again, and then they might go back. So it's, um, it's not that somebody's going to move through these in a linear fashion and it's just going to be tickety boo. They're going to jump back and forth. Yeah. Tickety boo. When do we get back to tickety boo? They're not going to be tickety boo. It's a scientific term. <laughs> a non tickety boo model of change. Got it. Yes. Well, I think it is a helpful framework because I think everyone can relate to each of those things, right? Like, absolutely. Yeah kind of in a denial place to, okay, maybe I should. And when am I gonna, and, and actually take that action. So, okay. Uh, so to the last question, what are we, what are each of us motivated to focus on in 2023? Didn't we kind of do that last time we were talking about a health goal and the, oh, it was health goal. And just shot down your health goal. I remember that. Yeah, so mine is a health goal. And uh, as you know, if you listened last time, I have this fantastic uh, group, fitness group, this challenge I'm doing. So the motivation, I am motivated to do it. Um, there is accountability partners. So I'm surrounding myself with people who are also doing this challenge. We have a group. And so lots of encouragement in there and uh, ideas and to help uh, um the, you know, increase uh, success uh, is also a monetary commitment. So $100 uh, 
Um, so that's motivating. Uh, a bit of fear as well. I think uh, I'm 40 now and I feel that if I don't uh, make some changes in terms of my physical health, it could actually be some, some, uh, some health risks or an impact of that. In my 30s or 20s, you're like, I'm invincible. Once you get a little older, you start to work on that more. So that's mine. All right. I, I would like, I'll say that I would like to do some more of my flow, uh, motivating, motivated, uh, goals. I, I have a lot of things I want to write about <laughs> a lot of, a lot of book ideas and things in my head that I really want to write about. So I want to dedicate time to, uh, to get into that flow state. Cause I really do like the, uh, the, the creative process and I like, uh, building things and, and creating things. So, um, I'm, I don't know if I'm in action quite yet. Maybe I'm in, uh, the contemplative state of how can I, or planning, how, where can I find the time to make a habit really a daily habit to write so that I can keep that, uh, keep that dream alive. Cool. Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know. I'm currently motivated to keep up just getting more um, movement in my day-to-day. -day. I just such a sedentary job <laughs> sitting all day. Um, I'm not saying like workout every day, just walking. I don't know. Just getting some, some steps in. Um, I'm going to throw in also, I'm feeling a little more motivated to re-jazz my space or make it at yeah, the pruning um and also a bit motivated business-wise to just make some shifts and changes in the business i am running with christopher so yeah just feeling it's yeah some things to look forward to and kind of yeah it'll be fun to see how things kind of shift yeah and then i was uh still i'm quite motivated to do some more pruning and organizing for more immediate kind of stuff. And then I'm also on the health train a little bit here, which is good. So motivated to make some healthier choices throughout the year. Pretty healthy overall, but, you know, like to do some tweaks once in a while. So healthier choices, whether that's uh, eating a little better, moving a little more, putting healthy boundaries around stuff, making sure to have play and work you know, just kind of, yeah, healthier choices. That sounds great. Uh, we, we can get behind that. That's good. What do you need from me? What do the three of you need from me to help you with your goals? This is turning into a Moai. More face-to-face -face time. More face-to-face -face time? Yeah. You like could move to Canada. Person. Yeah. Yes. Joe, do any of your business plans uh, have have any room for a, a California psychologist moving up to to BC? Whoa, yeah, that good. <laughs> We're looking for some psychologists, so I don't know if your college would accept me, but I'll I'll, I'll contemplate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah. Oops. Um. <laughs> I just get just kind of spoofing on the 
group support idea of this, right? Yeah. You know what? I think these little check-ins, because we do our little, we do a short little check-in before we actually start the podcast. Yeah. And that is motivating because um, because it's weekly little connection there. We always have follow-up questions about the previous time we saw everyone, right? True. And yeah. for, yeah, Ryan and I are working on a side project together right now. So I feel like I'm caught up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So just kind of the ongoing connection and checking in with each other, I think is very helpful. Say, how's that going? It's good. It's good. Well, we'll be role models for the, for the world then here. There we go. Especially North Dakota. North Dakota. Um, Ryan, same question to you. Um, yeah. If maybe, maybe just pepper in a little, question once in a while hey how's that writing going hmm. that'd be helpful how's the flow how's the flow how goes the flow and uh that might either i might either have a, a positive report for you or that might give me enough fear to actually <laughs> push me towards making my goals uh, a reality sounds good yeah cool. all right go team there we are go team Go North Dakota. We got this. North Dakota. <laughs> we are. We are really. We've never talked about any location more than we have North Dakota. So North Dakota. I we're hope their ears for, are buzzing. I know we're grateful for our uh, avid listeners. You know who you are. Um, but yeah, we have a goal here. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, somewhere out there, some North Dakotan is is contemplating whether or not to listen to this podcast. Okay. Well, let's wrap up for now. Good topic, Chris. Even if we've done yeah. it before, I don't think we have. I don't think so. I looked. Okay, good. Good. All right, then. So let's sign off for now. Uh, we just have a few episodes left. So if any anyone would like to write in or, or tell us something uh, while we're still on the air, so to speak, Probably the best place is through our Facebook uh, page, Mental Health Bootcamp Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We're one step away from like snail mail. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's probably about it. So send uh, it to. <laughs> right. Your box. Yeah. Your box. Right. Chip to blame. But, uh, but we're going to keep going. So uh, like and subscribe if you'd like. And Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube. That's Podbean. it. Podbean. And that's it for tonight, everybody. Good night. Good night. See you later, everybody. Bye, Sean. Bye. Bye. Bye, Sean. Bye.